Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Allison Panisi. And you are our listeners, and as always, we thank you for joining us. We want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite podcast provider. You can also follow us on social media, on Twitter at NYC Emergency MGT, Facebook, Instagram, and much more. On this episode, we will be talking about cybersecurity. That's right, Omar. Cybersecurity involves preventing, detecting, and responding to cyber attacks, which are malicious attempts to access or damage a computer system. We will be speaking with representatives from New York City Emergency Management and from New York City Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications on how New Yorkers can take steps to prevent cyber attacks, as well as the government's role in protecting New Yorkers from these cyber threats. Uh, But before we dive in, you know what time it is. Let us get you updated on the latest news in the emergency management field. Here's your Prep Talk Situation Report. This is the Situation Report. Let's get started. Thank you, Allison. Now, October is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and the Department of Homeland Security wants you to secure your personal information online. This year's theme is Own It, Secure It, Protect It. Now, you can take a number of steps to protect your personal information online. Some of these include keeping software and operating systems up to date, using strong passwords. So, Allison, no one, two, three, four, five passwords, none of that. (laughs) Uh, Limiting the personal information you share online and using antivirus solutions, anti-malware and firewalls to block threats. So for more information, you can visit niccs.us-cert.gov. That's niccs.us-cert.gov to find out how you can protect your personal information online. Okay, thanks, Omar. A United Nations climate panel recently released a new report on the state of the climate. And it turns out the report claims sea levels are rising at an ever faster rate than previously thought. Kind of scary. The report warned that if steps aren't taken to reduce emissions and slow global warming, seas will rise three feet by the end of the century. The report claims dire effects will be felt on both land and sea, harming people, plants, animals, food, societies, infrastructure, and the global economy. In fact, the international team of scientists projected for the first time that some island nations will probably become uninhabitable. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, or IPCC, increased its projected end-of-century sea level rise from its previous projections because of the increases in melting of ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica. Thank you, Allison. Now, this story comes from CNN. Officials from the Department of Education and the United Federations of Teachers in New York City are urging thousands of former students, staff, and teachers to apply for the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund 
and World Trade Center Health Program. Now, letters from the Department of Education are being mailed to anyone who was a New York City public school student enrolled near the World Trade Center on or after September 11th, 2001. DOE and the UFT will also host a joint information event on October 28th to inform students, staff, and teachers of their rights. Uh, Back in July, President Trump signed legislation into law authorizing the extension of the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund, which ensures compensation through 2090. The World Trade Center Health Program provides no-cost 9-11-related medical care to eligible members. Now, a recent study published in the medical journal JAMA, J-A-M-A, Network Open, found that both immediate and repeated exposures to the dust during the months of cleanup following the attack was associated with elevated cardiovascular disease risk that lasted for up to 16 years. Thanks, Omar. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has earmarked funds to aid the development of new technology that could bolster emergency preparedness. Now, this two-year, $4.9 million agreement will create technology that could create blood products available to save lives during a radiological or nuclear emergency. So the goal of the project is to develop human-induced, pluripotent, stem cell-derived platelets to treat blood conditions in which the body has an abnormally low number of platelets. Now, according to officials, improving the availability of platelets could also save lives. Now, the deal is between the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, and Platelet Biogenesis, Inc. And that's your Situation Report. Still to come, we'll be talking with Eric Smalls and Tony Lewis from New York City Emergency Management and Lois Lass from the New York City Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications. But first, here is a public service announcement from New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. (gasps) Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. You're listening to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. You are listening to Prep Talk, and we are back. Joining us are Eric Smalls, Assistant Commissioner of Technology at New York City Emergency Management. Also from New York City Emergency Management is Tony Lewis. He is the security engineer. And last but not least is Lois Last. She is the user experience senior director 
at NYCGovLab and studio at the New York City Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications. Thank you all for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So the first question um, is about cyber attacks. We know they can lead to a loss of money, theft of personal information, as well as a damaged reputation and safety. It could also interrupt businesses and infrastructure, and it affects both individuals and businesses. So what are the most common types of cyber attacks or cyber threats, and how do they occur? Eric, let's start with you. That's a good question. I mean, there are several, um, but one that comes to mind um, because it's very tricky is a man-in-the-middle attack. And that's basically when you have a bad actor, they pose as a legitimate website. It could be your banking account um, or just somewhere where you keep private information And as you're typing your information in, they're collecting it and actually going to the real website as you and and basically uh, taking advantage of of the the information. One of our biggest concerns are phishing attacks, and that's a social engineering email attack where people are harvesting uh, logon credentials or attempting to install malware. And uh, the reason why it's a concern is that we have a variety of defenses, but by the time efficient email reaches you, that means that all of our defenses have failed. So you're the last line of defense. One thing I've learned doing user experience for government services is that we're in the business of persuading people to do things the right way, to do the right thing. And I found through doing a lot of user research and creating a lot of products, people given the choice between doing the right thing and the easy thing They often go with the easy thing. So our biggest (laughs) challenge, our biggest opportunity is how might we make the right thing to do also the easy thing to do. Easy thing. I like that. And we try to, you know, through various methods, persuasion and testing and trying to figure out what generates trust, whether it's a website certificate or our logos and branding. We really try all the time to continuously improve the trust that we have with official government services and try to educate people about things uh, that are not official and how to spot them. I am happy that you brought up education because with more people now connected to the Internet through their smartphones and similar devices, what steps can be taken to protect individuals? or their businesses. And if someone or a business is a victim of a cyber attack, what should they do? It's interesting that you mentioned mobile devices. That, you know, mobile devices take up 50% of internet traffic nowadays. Um, but for, a, for personal use, uh, users should, uh, New Yorkers or people in general should just make sure that you have an antivirus program on your computer. And make sure that it's actually updated and that you set it to scan on a daily basis. Um, this is critical because a lot of times you can have applications run dormant um, and just waiting for a particular time to execute. Um, so antivirus is, is a key tool to have in your um, toolbox. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned passwords. And I guess it shouldn't be a tricky situation, but it seems like it is. I mean, we've done stories in the past where People have passwords that are basic passwords, one, two, three, four, five, or it's their date of birth or 
you know, uh, a family member's uh, name. So how can people really understand that easy, as Lewis says, is not always the best way? How, you you got to create strong passwords. What What advice do you have for people? I'd say that, you know, passwords are as important as you lock in your front door, right? Mm. You wouldn't you wouldn't secure your your front door with a with a screen door that someone can just easily um just pick a kick open. You want to make you want to have a real door with a real lock. So you creating a complex password is you actually securing your 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 perimeter. You're 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 securing your private information. So if it's easy for you, that means it's easy for someone else. And nowadays they have things called um dictionary attacks, right? So there's just computer, there's just uh, software out there that people write and it just runs through all of those basic passwords that you set. One, two, three, A, B, C, D. Th that's, that's, already, that's a given. The common thing today is use phrases, use complex phrases and make sure that you kind of, you change it up. You have a capital letter, you have a special character. So you can change uh, E's for threes and, um, and zeros for, for O's. Um, and, and and the systems nowadays can even detect against that. But you really want to make it a long, complex password. Those just don't think of one word. Make it a phrase, and in that phrase, have your 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 capital letters and your and your special characters mixed in there. Make it hard for them. Secure your your front door. And I like that. Secure your front door. I really love that analogy. And what if? Because I guess with complex passwords, people feel as if they're going to forget it, right? So. Write it down? Oh, nope, don't write it down. No, don't write it down. Make it a phrase that you know. Okay. Make it a, a saying that you have that only you, uh, something that you go by, or you know, just or make it a phrase from your favorite movie or something like that. And mm -hmm. just and just make sure you mix up the letters, right? Just make sure you have your special characters injected someplace in there. As Lois mentioned, um, you know, our my experience is that people always want easy, and so you can you can make a, a password easy. You can make a password a phrase easy um, because it's something that you know. It's something that you live by, and only you know that, right? You shouldn't you don't share that with people. So you don't have to write it down. Just make it a phrase or a term that you know because that would be easy for you. Great, yeah, that's interesting, Eric. You're talking about complexity, and complexity for users is increasing. Sometimes I think exponentially. For me, uh, the passwords, the passphrase is one of the best things you can do as long as it's a, uh, like you said, a personal one or something. We'll often take a title of a book on the shelf that makes it easy to remember or something, you know, part of the oatmeal box or something that we know, but it's very, very unusual. Uh, I often do that. But I, in terms of this increasing complexity, I find myself and I find other people asking me about systems that handle passwords. Can we offload this to secure systems, be it apps like 1Password or be it Safari's iCloud password uh, systems? And increasingly, I find this to be the case. Now, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. But it's gotten to the point where I used to keep a database at home of all my passwords and it was secure and password protected and all this stuff. And even that is too hard. So I'm offloading it to systems. I would like to know what you think about doing that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great idea. I mean, 
you know, the analogy that I like to use is that um, as, you know, we have more and more devices, you have the Internet of Things. It's like you just everything now is connected to the Internet and there's more passwords to re- to remember. And it's it's almost impossible to to create a separate, to remember a separate phrase for every everything. And that's where these password managers, what you're referring to as a password manager, and they're paid, there's solutions that you can pay for. I think if you want to be most secure, you should definitely try to pay for a service. The free stuff you may not get, they might not be as robust, um, but they're definitely, they help. And those systems, those password managers actually create those complicated passwords in there. And then you only have to remember one password. And that's that complicated phrase that we talked about earlier. Great. And also, as mobile technology evolves, Mm -hmm. my favorite password, of course, is my face. Where I just (laughs) hold up my phone, it looks at me, and it knows who I am. So maybe over time, this increasing complexity will be offloaded by smarter devices as well. So strong, safe passwords, making things complex, but still easy because cybersecurity, as we were saying, is actually easy. So the city has plans to address the growing need and defend against cyber threats. So what is an example of how city agencies are working together to address cybersecurity and cybersecurity emergencies? So the city has um, New York City Cyber Command, and that's really their their core um responsibility there you know their responsibility is to uh prevent detect and respond and you know um cyber command actually works with over you know 100 city agencies like they are responsible for um monitoring and and basically alerting the IT units of vulnerabilities that that we may may not have so they can they definitely assist us in um protecting the city and we work with cyber command directly they provide us tools to um monitor programs that run on our network for instance that you may have a program that you use daily like microsoft word and you use it to create documents if they detect that that program is doing something abnormal we'll get a notification Cyber Command does uh, things like uh, phishing tests against our users. Um, And all of this are things that complement internal tools that we have. Okay, this is great. So strengthening um, interagency tactics and techniques for handling security threats. Um, So we say this all the time. Emergency management is a shared field. And even in the field of cybersecurity, um, this is a shared responsibility. So this is really wonderful to hear. I want to switch gears a little to talk about social media. Uh, For our listeners, again, this is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, We're talking about how you can own it, secure it, and protect it. Uh, Now, 3.4 billion people worldwide use social media. That's an increase of 9% from 2018. So there's a lot of people, Allison, that's using social media today, right? And we are among them. Yeah, exactly. So. To our guests, what are some simple tips that people can take to own it, to secure their social media? Attackers are monitoring your social media. They're looking at Facebook. They're looking at Instagram. They're looking at your Twitter, um, looking for information that they can use to compromise. Uh, So you want to be careful about what you share online and how widely or publicly you share it. Um, So attacker can't use your information against you. Um, example of that may be uh, Omar may post to Twitter that he's recording prep talk today. And I may 
get Allison's number from uh, a public number and call her and say, hey, I heard Omar's recording prep talk today. Can you tell me where is that going to be recorded at? Uh, what time? Um, and being that I have the correct information that he is recording prep talk, you may be more likely to give me additional information. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And they do that too with, uh, it's not only just with social media, but in general, phone calls. If somebody calls you randomly mm -hmm. and don't offer up information about people, right? Because um, they, they might start the phone call or they might send you an email saying, or they might send you a DM uh, saying, you know, I work with such and such. And, um, and you say, oh, is, is it this person or is it that person? So you're giving them information. Right. Don't provide additional information to people on social media and email or especially on the phone, because then what they do is they take that information, you tell them, and then they call somebody else that's sitting next to you, right? Because they have an idea what the telephone number in, in your agency or in your business is. And then they call the next person. And then because they have that little bit of information, just like they did with social media, now they, they're putting the pieces to the puzzle. And because the person sounds credible, the next person might provide additional information. On another note, another way that you can um, secure your social uh, media presence is remember that there's no delete button on the internet. Once you post it, it's there forever. No matter, you know, you could try to take it down, but there's systems that's crawling the internet and just capturing information. So be deliberate, like own, own what you do, right? Like, you know, make sure that it's purposeful. Another thing you should do is you should update your, your um, privacy settings, right? Um, a lot of social media companies now are getting scrutinized, right? And they have to, they have to put the power back into, into the people's hands. So there might be settings that, 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 that you can um, elevate your privacy, but they're, gonna, they're not going to be on automatically. You have to go in there and you have to like turn them on. Um, another thing you should do is, um, if you feel like something's happened, report it. Every social media has a, a button someplace or something that says, um, you know, report suspicious activity or someone puts post something that's incorrect about you. Take action, own it. Make sure that don't, don't let that stuff get away because once it's out there, um, have the, have, put the onus on the, um, on the company to, to keep your, your information accurate. And I would say be aware that Personal information, of course, maybe you don't want to share, but even some seemingly innocuous information can come back to haunt you. One of the most common forms of social engineering is the affinity scam, where you post something seemingly innocuous. I love Golden Retrievers group or something that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. Your kids go to this school district or something where someone contacts you and says, oh, I love golden retrievers too. Oh, we're also in the uh, Eastern Queens area. Right. And by using these affinity things, people's defenses are often naturally reduced because just this natural tendency of, oh, it's, it's somebody like me. We're in the same type of group. Right. So even innocent seeming information can actually be used. And this is often used in... Uh, Social media, cyber attacks, and also uh, financial fraud as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of these tips, I think, for social media um, also apply to, you know, other parts and aspects of your life. You know, yeah. we were talking offline about how there are times where companies will um, 
have, you know, correspondence that goes out and says, you know, this is, you know, you haven't paid this bill or it's seemingly that company. You find out later that that's fraud. Right. Um, and I think it's important, and we've talked about this, is you should probably contact those organizations or institutions directly mm -hmm. and say, I received this correspondence. I want to make sure it's legitimate. You know, in addition to spam that you get in the mail, there's spam that you get on social media um, through the internet, through your email, to just be mindful of the content um, and and don't take things at face value, I think, is really the big lesson here. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes people, um, you know, as, as Lois just mentioned, your defenses are reduced. Um, so one question I do have is about New York City's um, NYC Secure Initiative. Um, it also includes a mobile app so New Yorkers can protect themselves um, through their smartphones uh, from cyber threats. Um, let's let's talk about that. Well, this is great. Uh, it provides security for your device, and it also monitors network safety. This is a, an app you can download for free, mm -hmm. and it will tell you if the, for example, a Wi-Fi network. You know, you connect to Wi-Fi. You know, everybody <laughs> does it. You're in the coffee shop. You're in the airport. Well, this app will tell you if it's a secure network or not. Right. And I find it extremely useful when I come into JFK Airport, for example. We've all heard the hor horror stories of there being rogue Wi-Fi networks and uh, you went and made a banking transaction in public or something. So this is really, really helpful. And it just, it runs in the background and it just alerts you. I have used it on many occasions and it's free for all New Yorkers. And that's and and that's to the testament of um, the cyber New York City Cyber Command because this is their initiative. Um, their initiative is actually to protect the city as well as um, um, government uh, agencies. And um, the one thing I like what they're trying to do is they have a, a big picture idea where they're literally trying to be make New York City like the cyber the the hub of cybersecurity. They're trying to to, to build the culture of uh, cybersecurity. And make it number one in the world. It's actually, and that secure that secure app is is um, one of the um, one of the things that they rolled out. Another thing that we have in the city is Link NYC, and that's also secured uh, in the same manner. So you can log on to the onto um, Link NYC, and it's um, Wi-Fi um, for the city, free Wi-Fi. But it's also it has a, a component in there where it's actually it has like a micro VPN. Where you're, even though you're on this Link NYC network, it's still secure. Um, so it's the city cyber command um, through the the mayor's initiative is actually um, um, a, a great thing that they did. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about building a culture of cybersecurity, and I love that you said that. And we talked about NYC Secure and this mobile app. What about the other mobile applications that have been developed by the city? Um, what are what is going on in terms of um, privacy and and if you're including personal information, for example, um, New York City Emergency Management and um, the Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications have developed both Ready NYC, which is our Ready New York program on a mobile app, and Notify NYC, which is the city's official emergency communications program, also now available on a mobile app. Well, one of the great things about developing a native mobile app on uh, iOS or Android is we get to take full advantage of the device's security features. So, for example, on iOS with the facial recognition, this is your gateway to the app. 
And so we've been able to create these apps, taking full advantage of software developed by others to bring the information and services to the people of New York City. Notify NYC, for example, is a great mobile app. You authenticate via your device, and then you have all of the push notifications, if you want, and all the notifications about citywide events, local events, uh, down to the zip code level, borough, borough quadrant, and so on around you. So you can actually get all the advantages of Notify NYC in a secure way so you can set your, your own settings, but it's on your personal device and is isolated to that personal device. That information is not uh, stored you know, in a place where it's going to be identified with you. A wealth of knowledge here today. Um, we're talking cybersecurity. is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. For our listeners, what's one last tip that you want people to know uh, when securing their information, Eric? So you know, the one thing that, I, that comes to mind is um, they call it MFA, multi-factor authentication. Um, even though you have a password, you know, someone could sniff it. Someone could be sitting over your shoulder. You know, you're on the bus and you're typing in the password. Multi-factor authentication requires you to add a secondary password that actually changes like every 60 seconds. So it's never the same. So even if your main password is compromised, this secondary device, the password uh, makes it harder for attackers. And that's that goes back into the theme of secure it. We want to secure our information. So back to the other, we mentioned earlier about social media. Mm-hmm. All of the social media accounts should, um, you should enable multi-factor authentication. Whenever possible, activate it because it's, it's only going to um, make you more secure. Wonderful. Tony? Uh, protect your mobile device. Um, we're, we're not just using mobile devices for Facebook or Twitter. We're banking, we're paying our bills, we're looking at our insurance. So don't leave your device unattended in public places. Don't download apps from untrusted sources and don't root or jailbreak your phone. Lois? Start with skepticism. (laughs) Anytime somebody contacts you, assume that this could be a fraudulent contact. Until you are sure, don't give any information out. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Skepticism, like a true New Yorker, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's rapid response time. And if you are a first-time listener, it's simple. Omar and I will ask our guests a few questions, and they will give the first answer that comes to mind. It's time for Prep Talk Rapid Response. Okay, let's get started. What is the one emergency item you cannot live without? Lois. Extra water at home. Fire extinguisher. A plan. So the water, every episode, someone says water. Someone says water <laughs> or their phone, actually. Yeah. I'm surprised that nobody has said their phone in this episode. <laughs> uh, question to Eric. I'm going to start with you. What is your favorite cyber threat related show or movie or favorite cyber related moment? Um, I would say Die Hard 4, Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, you're a Bruce Willis fan. <laughs> I actually know exactly what he's talking about. So Eric is my spirit animal right now. <laughs> Tony. I guess I would have to go with The Matrix. Ooh. Okay. Oh, Keanu, Ru- that's a good Keanu Reeves. Yeah. That's, that's a, good one. a good one. Very good one. Lois. I'm going to go with the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they 
figured out somebody's password from their touchscreen by where the fingerprints were. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, where is one place you would like to visit? I'd like to go back to Singapore. I've always wanted to go to London. Um, Egypt, see the pyramids. All great answers. I, I haven't been to any of those places, so. Neither have I. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is currently on your playlist, Eric? I don't really have a playlist. I'm like boring. I listen to to tech stuff, tech TED talks and stuff like that. I guess that's my playlist. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Tony, I'm currently listening to Ari Lennox. Yeah. Louis, I've been listening to an Ario Speedwagon song called "Roll with the Changes." Oh yeah, it somehow seems appropriate. We <laughs> so we also do karaoke on the show. So if you want, feel free. <laughs> Be careful with putting me in front of a microphone. <laughs> she tells us this now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, sum up the work you do in one word. Connect. Preparation. Fulfilling. All great answers, and uh, to our listeners, October is. Cybersecurity Awareness Month, but cybersecurity should be something you think about all year long, and cybersecurity is a shared responsibility. We thank our guests for this very informative discussion on how to be cyber aware and how to protect themselves. Um, for our listeners, you could visit nyc.gov for more tips and information on how to be cyber smart. And remember, own it, secure it, protect, protect it. it. Love it. That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.